Well, good morning, Mount Ararat. I'm Andrew. I'm the Fredericksburg campus pastor. And I just want to take a moment, and I'm so honored, like, to be able to bring the message to you guys today. And I just want to take a moment, again, just welcome you guys right here at the Stafford campus. Those of you who are watching online from all around the world, and of course, since I'm the Fredericksburg campus pastor, I want to give a special shout out to those of you who right now are watching down at the Leland Station Clubhouse. Let me just say, as our team has been meeting down there, practicing church, serving, getting ready to launch this campus, and even lifting our voices, watching this service on Sunday morning in a clubhouse, and it does this pastor's heart proud like, to see that team already getting engaged, getting ready to reach the community. And in fact, even this past week, there was a national night out up here in Stafford, but we did one down in Fredericksburg, and a team of 15 volunteers from the campus came down there, and we were able to serve close to 3,000 snow cones. We gave out about 1,000 coming soon flyers to let the community know that we are full them. So I'm so excited as we get ready to enter into this next phase, building out this building and continuing to grow as a launch team. And now we're in week two of this series called Living on Empty. And I thought I'd start today by simply asking you a question, have you ever been tired? I mean, have you ever been really physically tired? I'm talking to you parents, like maybe you've been so tired because your kids have been waking you up in the middle of the night and you have not been able to get any rest. So you're at a point now where you're thinking about putting those kids on Craigslist so that you can finally get some rest at night. I'm talking about students, have you been so tired that you're sitting in class and you know your teacher is talking But you can't hear anything they're saying because that gentle breeze of sleep is starting to wash you over. Have you ever been so tired that you were driving on the road, maybe even on I-95, and you knew you fell asleep and you woke up and you were like, it is a miracle that I am still alive. I'm talking about have you ever been so tired that somebody is pouring their heart out to you, telling you their, their dreams and their hopes and visions for the future and what God is doing in their lives, but you were so tired that you fell asleep, mouth wide open, and then that person takes a selfie of you just like I did with Pastor Todd last year. <laughs> or the other time it happened here as well. It's all right, he ain't here this week, so. (laughs) Hey, but pastor, if you're watching online, I love you, okay? And you're a great man, so. All right, so now, okay, now now this next thing, okay? We're talking about being tired, physically exhausted. And I really want everyone to be honest. If you're watching at Fredericksburg, okay, online, right here at Stafford, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I want you to be honest with this question. Have you ever been so tired that you fell asleep in church? That's who you raise your hand up, okay? Raise your hand up. There's way more hands than I expected, okay? (laughs) Keep an eye on these people. Elbow them this morning that they fall asleep next to you. You know, I think think all of us at some point, we know what it means to be so tired, so physically exhausted. But do you know what it means to be emotionally or even spiritually tired? And maybe that is you, parents. Parents. Maybe you're so tired because even though you try to provide good meals, good gifts, good advice for your children, maybe every single time you think you're providing something good for them, it's met with resistance, it's met with criticism, it's met with conflict. 
And you feel like even though you're trying to be a good parent, you feel so exhausted because everything you try to do for them that you believe is good is met with resistance. Maybe you feel emotionally tired because you're just so tired of fighting with your spouse. You feel like every single battle is causing you to hit a wall. And you feel like the next one could even drive you over the edge. You're so tired of fighting. Or maybe it's work. Maybe, maybe work used to be fun. And maybe you love going into the office every day. And maybe it's even the type of thing where at one point you, you thought, I can't even believe that I get paid to do this. But now Monday's coming. And getting in that car, driving on I-95, going into the office, now becomes this emotional drain on you. In fact, every single day you're in there, you start to think, the passion I once had for this career where I thought it was actually even going to make a difference, now you feel like every single day that passion is slowly being destroyed or diminished in your life. Maybe you felt so spiritually tired because you've been asking God for something over and over and over again. And you feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. And you're wondering, when is God going to answer this prayer? And you feel so spiritually tired that another prayer just can't even get past your lips. Have you ever felt emotionally or spiritually Tired. See, I think we all know what it means to be physically tired, but what do you do when you feel like your heart is running on empty? When you feel like the needle for your soul is getting below the E? You know, the nation of Israel, like what we were talking about last week, last week in the first part of the series, the nation of Israel, they had been slaves for about 400 years in Egypt. But by his power and mercy, God freed them from their physical bondage and led Moses to lead this entire nation out from under the oppression, the seven days a week of ruthless, back-breaking labor that they had endured for so long under the Egyptians. See, God had freed them physically, and he was giving them a new assignment to serve him. But now, God not only wanted them to experience this physical freedom, but he also wanted them to find freedom emotionally and spiritually, not only by serving him, but by following his commands and his principles. So you have to remember for 400 years that endured this ruthless, back-breaking labor, this oppression in Egypt. And for years, they saw their families, for four centuries, they saw their families enduring this. And even as God is leading them out, even the people who are leaving right now in this exodus, all they had ever known was slavery. But see, carrying that burden for so long would indeed produce a physical exhaustion, but being under that type of oppression so long would also produce an emotional and spiritual oppression as well. In fact, some people may not even recover from something like that. That's why in Exodus chapter 19, also Exodus chapter 20, God prepares the people to receive the Ten Commandments. Now, see, these commandments, they were never meant to be another burden on the people, but instead they were meant to be a blessing on the people. These commandments were meant to lead this entire nation, not just, again, from this freedom or from physical bondage, but now an emotional freedom and spiritual freedom that will provide rest 
and refreshment for their weary souls. See, the people, they were running on empty. But God was about to show them how they can find rest and refreshment and renewal. So today, do you feel like you're running on empty? I believe in this passage that we're going to look over today that God gives us two simple tools that would take our tanks from empty to full. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. And as you turn to Exodus chapter 19, right here in the story, God had freed the children of Israel from Egypt, and he was leading them out. He was about to address them at Mount Sinai through Moses. But before God gives even one commandment to them, look what he says here beginning in Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 through 6. It says, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob. And what you are to tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Now, pause right there just for a moment. Because depending on what translation you're reading, it may say either treasured possession or it may say my own possession or my valuable possession. And the Hebrew language that's used there, it carries with it this idea that God was not forced to love this people. Instead, he chose to love this people. So his care for them, his concern for them, his love for them were all by choice. And before we even continue on getting the two simple tools to take our tanks from empty to full, I want to give you some bonus content. I want you to know that God really loves you. He really does. And when you choose to surrender your life to Christ, God says that you are his treasured possession. That you are so valuable. No matter what anybody else has ever said about you, no matter what you were even doing last night before you stepped into this church, God says that you are so valuable, that you are so worthy, that he was willing to sacrifice Jesus so you could have a relationship with him. You are his treasured possession. He goes on to say, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Then in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, it says, And God spoke all these words. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. The first tool that I believe is shown here that God wants to give us to take our tanks from empty to full is really simple. We have to remember. We have to remember. We have to remember who the Lord is. We have to remember that he loves us, that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. We have to remember that no one in this universe cares more about us than God does. We have to remember that he is God. You know, as I was preparing for and looking over this message this past week, I kept seeing again and again, before before God even gives one commandment to the people, 
Before he gives this, these commandments that are going to help pull out this 400 years of oppression and begin to renew their minds and refresh their souls, he reminds them who he is, what he's done, and what he promises to do. In fact, here in chapter 19 that we just read part of and chapter 20 that we just read part of, do you know how many times God redirects the attention back to himself He even addresses himself in the first person, and he tells the people to pay attention to him and to look to him. Right here in these two passages, these two chapters, over 30 times, over 30 times God addresses himself in the first person, or he tells the people to listen to him or to surrender to him, or he's addressed as the Lord their God. And I believe that God has given us a reminder that we need to remember who he is. See, he was the one who heard their prayer. He was the one who answered that prayer. He was the one who rescued them from slavery. He was the one who's given them a brand new identity, saying they are no longer slaves, but instead they are his treasured possession. He was the one who split the Red Sea so they could walk right through it. He was the one who crushed their enemies. And there were 30 times before even given one command, God wants to remind this entire nation. He wants to remind them that they need to remember who he is. And you know, you know why I think God takes a moment to do that before he even gives one command? I think he tells them 30 times to redirect the attention back to him because it is so easy for us to forget It's so easy for us to forget who God is, what he's done, and even what he's doing in our lives right now. In fact, shortly after this, you know what? The people would start to forget. They would start to think life was so much better in Egypt. The slavery and the oppression that we were under under were so much better than this freedom that God's trying to give us. They would start to say that the food and the resources that God would give them, that they just weren't enough. In fact, complaining and grumbling against the God who just said they were their treasure, he was their treasured possession. Complaining and grumbling would begin to characterize this nation. And you know, sometime when, it, when, when I read stories like this, even though this nation had been praying for this for years, even though they had been praying for this for years, their prayer request had now actually become a protest. And see, when I read stories like this, there's sometimes when I think, I, God, God, I can't believe these people. I can't believe that you provided all these things for them, that you helped rescue them from 400 years of slavery, that you set them free, that you did mighty works in front of them. God, I can't believe that you did all these things and what they're doing is complaining about what you're giving them. God, if I was you, I would not take that. God, if I was you, I would strike these people down. I would give them all leprosy because you don't deserve that. God, if you never did another thing for them, you wouldn't have to because you've already done more than enough. And I started to think, you know what, God, I would never say anything like that about anything you've given me. It's almost right in that moment as I'm saying that and preparing for this message, God's like, oh, really? (laughs) You would never say that about anything that I provided for you or anything that I've given you, you would never. You know, for, for some reason, this past week was kind of an off week for me. My, my heart has felt heavy all this week, and 
I just felt emotionally and spiritually tired. And maybe because I had this cold early this week that was battling. Maybe because there was so much going on. But I found myself complaining a lot this week. I mean, complaining about my kids complaining about this adoption process that my wife and I are going through. It's been way longer than I ever thought it would be. Even complaining about having to participate in something like National Night Out that we did this past week. And as I'm finding myself complaining a lot, I start thinking, you know, sometimes we feel so emotionally and spiritually weary because all we can do is see every single thing that's wrong. And sometimes we don't even realize that that thing that we once prayed for and we even praised God for we now criticize him for. I even want to ask you the question, has that thing, has that person that you once prayed for and hoped for now become the thing that you complain the most about? Because, see, when we move from praise to complaining, when our prayer requests now become a protest, It can cause weariness and emptiness in our souls. But as I'm driving this week, you know, my drive time often becomes my prayer time. As I'm driving and talking to the Lord and even complaining about some things, I almost feel like God starts to remind me that even though this has been a process, each one of these things has been a challenging process, at the same time, they've been a prayer request that God has answered these prayers. I mean, even though National Night Out, there was about an hour or so of rain that we had to endure, I began to think about how grateful I was and how I could praise God. And we had 15 volunteers come down who were soaked in sweat and rain, but yet served close to 3,000 snow cones and passed out all these coming soon flyers. And how I had prayed for these opportunities to be able to let the community know that we are for them and that we're getting ready to launch. It was an answered prayer request. I even began to think that even though the adoption process has been way longer than we thought it was going to be, way more expensive than we thought it was going to be, God had provided. Because he's provided in ways that we didn't even think were possible. And we've also already seen pictures of this little girl that we're getting ready to adopt from India. We have seen her face. We have seen videos of her. And we're actually even ahead of schedule right now. And again, God has provided the resources in ways that I didn't even think were possible. And I started to think that God is a God who provides. He takes care of his treasured possessions. But it's so easy to forget, isn't it? It's so easy to focus on everything that's wrong right now in our lives in this current season. And see, when we forget, it can feel like something is literally broken in our souls. But to begin to move the needle, we have to remember. We have to remember that even right now, God has not forgotten you, but he's working right now even in your life. There's good right now even if you're in the middle of a challenging season. So if you want to fill your tank, remember who God is, what he's done, what he promises to do, but even what he's doing right now in your life. The second simple tool that I think we can see in this passage, not only do we have to remember, but we have to refill. We have to refill. You know, I know some of us, when, when we're driving our cars, when that, when that empty light comes on or that notification comes on that we're getting near the E, for some of us, it is almost like a challenge. 
How close can I get that needle to that E before I run out of gas? In fact, I know some of you have run out of gas, haven't you? Now, some of you, you're on the opposite end of that spectrum where once it hits the halfway mark, you start thinking, I got to refill. I'm not going to even take the risk of running out of gas. I got to find a gas station right now. I got to refill this tank. And, you know, I think all of us, we know when it comes to our cars, we know when it comes to our cars when we need to refill. But what about when it comes to our hearts? What about when it comes to our souls? Do we know when we need to refill? See, here in the second part of Exodus chapter 20, God institutes this principle that will help us do just that, that will bring rest, it will bring renewal, it will bring refreshment, it will help us refill. This is what it says here in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Again, just pause right there for a moment. When Scripture talks about any foreigner residing in the towns, pretty much it's addressing anyone who wasn't part of the nation of Israel. But it's talking about the people who either traveled with them out of Egypt that's now residing with them or the nations that would surround them. But pretty much what God is trying to communicate here, that this principle of refilling, of finding rest and refreshment, isn't just for those people who are already following God. It's a universal principle that God wants us to import and to to imply, to put into our lives. Because when you don't find rest and refreshment and renewal, you are actually pushing against who it is God created you to be. He goes on and said in verse 11, he says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. You know, as I was looking over again, Exodus chapter 20, this is, a, this is a verse where if you've been brought up in church for a while, you know what the Ten Commandments say. You're familiar with this. But as I was studying this week, I came across Exodus chapter 31. And I, I've read the book of Exodus before, but when I read this this week, which was actually a recap of Exodus chapter 20 that we just read, there's something in there that surprised me. And listen to what it says here in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17. It says, it will be, God is talking about the Sabbath again. The Sabbath will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested, which we just read in Exodus chapter 20. But the second part here was not in the original commandment, but it's something that God did after he rested. It said that God rested and was refreshed. Does anybody know what it means that God was refreshed? Fredericksburg, Stafford, you guys watching online? Neither do I. When I read that this week, I I think about verses like Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, where it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow 
tired. He will not grow weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. Yet when God rested from his labor of creation, Scripture says that this rest refreshed him. In fact, the Hebrew word used there for refresh is the Hebrew word nipash. And it means to breathe freely. It's like God was done with his work and he literally took a deep breath. I love it. Scripture says that God took a breather. In fact, why don't we all do that right now at every location? Let's just all take a breather. Why don't you breathe with me, okay? Just breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. There's something about when we decide to pause and to take a breather and to find rest that God refreshes our souls. There's something about when we take time to refill that God renews our minds. There's something about this principle, about refilling, that if we push against it, and we are pushing against the very way that God created us. I don't want to challenge you that we would all be a church, that we build rhythms of refilling into our lives. In fact, pastor and author Rick Warren, he actually gives three different ways that you can implement this rhythm of refilling refilling into our lives. And if you're taking note, I want you to write these down. The first way is that we need to be able to divert daily. We need to be able to divert daily. You have to find time daily to refresh and renew your mind, to literally to take a breather daily. And if you don't refill in this way, that's when complaining and seeing everything wrong or everything is broken, that's when that begins to creep and even characterize your life. That's when instead of relationships getting filled with trust and love, disappointment and discouragement begins to seep in and fill in the spaces in those relationships. That's when those prayer requests that we once had now become protests against what God has been providing for us. See, as followers of Christ, there's something that Pastor Todd has actually been reminding us to do almost every single month for this entire year on how we can actually divert daily. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, one of the number one things that you can do to divert your mind and your heart back to what matters the most is to be spending that daily quiet time with the Lord. That time of reading God's word, spending time in prayer, journaling, singing some worship times. So how are you doing with that? Are you diverting daily and spending that time with the Lord your God? Because it's when you divert daily in this fashion that God begins to renew your mind. That's when you remember all that he has done, all that he promises to do, and all that he's doing in your life right now. But it's also a time when God refills you, when he gives you the mercy and the grace and the strength that you need to make it through every single situation during that day. So are you diverting daily by spending that quiet time with the Lord? Some other ways that maybe you can divert daily, you know, outside of having that daily quiet time. Maybe it's something as simple as when you get home, you leave your cell phone and you just go for a walk with no internet connection. And you just have time to pray or just relax or even just to take a breather. 
Maybe for you it's cutting out Netflix for a season so you can go to bed an hour earlier so you can simply get more rest. And that's how you're going to divert daily. There's two things that I do besides having that daily quiet time with the Lord. The first thing is I try to get home by dinner time every single day. And when I get home at dinner time, when we sit down for dinner as a family, we don't have any cell phones at the table. Cell phones are not allowed for the parents, but also no toys are allowed for the kids at the table. And even though our kids are young, seven, five, and three, we all have a time when we get to reconnect and to divert daily back to these relationships that matter the most. And we ask our kids what was their favorite part of the day. And even though sometimes it's the most random conversations in the world, there's something so special about that time when I get to hear what's on the heart of our three-year-old, our five-year-old, our seven-year-old, and even on the heart of my wife during that time. The second thing I try to do is that usually when I try to get home, I try to leave all my frustrations or worries that I've had from the day inside the car before I walk in the house so that immediately I can help my wife with what she needs. I can spend time with the kids so I can be fully engaged and, again, divert daily back to these relationships that matter the most. Now, are there days when I completely miss all of those and I fail terribly at all of those? Absolutely. But what's the goal? Is it better to completely ignore this principle? Or is it better to try to build in this healthy rhythm in our lives to divert daily? In fact, when thinking about diverting daily, this is almost a mini Sabbath that we need to have every single day. The second way that we can apply it is that we need to withdraw weekly. You know, if diverting daily is a mini Sabbath, then withdrawing weekly is the main Sabbath. Now, this is where the full effects of this principle of Sabbath comes in. You know, Sabbath simply means to cease and desist from labor. It's a time to unplug, but it's also a time to renew and to refresh. In fact, if you're running on empty, one of the best things that you can do is to immediately to put this principle into practice. And don't miss how important this is. This was part of the Ten Commandments. God puts this idea of refilling and refreshing right up there with with principles and commands to not make idols, to not commit murder, and to not commit adultery. In fact, we were never designed to be beasts of burden, but rather God's treasured possession. So find a day where you can withdraw weekly to reconnect with your relationship with God, but also those relationships in your life that matter the most. And then the third way that we can apply this principle, these rhythms of refilling, is to abandon annually. To abandon annually. Now, this is the mega Sabbath, okay? And let me again just remind you of something that Pastor Todd said last week. If you have vacation time, take your vacation. You know, last year, my wife and I, we celebrated 10 years of being married, and we went on a seven-day cruise. It was seven days of no internet service, seven days of no email, seven days of no cell phone reception, seven days of no social media, and seven days of, praise God, no children. (laughs) And let me just say, that time to literally abandon was one of the best times of renewal and refreshment with my relationship with her and also my relationship with God. 
And see, I know what some of you are saying right now. Okay, I get it. I need to divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. And some of you may be saying right now, I I know God wants me to remember that. I know he wants me to do that, but I simply can't with my job. I know God wants me to refill in that way, but I can't because of my job and living here in Stafford County or Spotsylvania County or in Prince William County because of what I do. I think some of you need to hear this today. And remember, I'm not telling you to quit your job. But what does it gain you if you gain the whole world and exhaust your soul? What does it gain you if it even costs you your family? In fact, some of you need to hear this right now. I feel like God is telling me to tell some of you that you are getting closer and closer to losing your family because you won't rest and you won't refill. And you're striving and doing all of this for a job that somebody else is going to do one day. No one can be the father to your kids like you can. No one can be the mother to your kids like you can. So will you build in these rhythms of rest? Will you divert daily? Will you find time to withdraw weekly? Will you abandon annually? I believe you need to implement one of those things, how God can begin to renew and to refresh all these relationships that matter the most in your life. I'm going to ask our worship team to go and make their way back up to the stage. And as they're making their way back up to the stage, I thought I'd close with with one of my favorite verses in all all of Scripture. In fact, this is my life verse. In John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said that the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. And so many times we end up buying into this lie that we need to completely push rest out of our lives and we need to keep striving and striving for goodness and greatness and and rest is not important. But again, God puts this right up there. We're not breaking some of the most important Ten Commandments. And see, I believe that if we ignore this principle in our life, We may not realizing it, but not building in these rhythms of rest, what the enemy is doing is stealing, killing, and even destroying what matters most in our lives. But I love the other half of that verse where Jesus said, I have come, Jesus who practiced rest. God who implemented this idea that we need to remember who he is. And we also need to find refreshment and refill based on his principles. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not empty, but full. And as I was thinking about closing out this service today, I was thinking, I'm sure I'm not the only person this week who has felt a little bit emotionally empty or even spiritually empty. I'm not the only person this week who felt like they were running on empty and even getting below the E. So is that you today? And maybe maybe it's not even been this past week, maybe it's been this season that you've been in and you feel like you're running on empty. I thought I would close out the service today by just praying for you and taking a moment that whether you're over at Fredericksburg, whether you're here at Stafford or even watching online, that's you. Man, you just feel like you've been running on empty. You need God to refill you. Would you just stand wherever you are? 
Whether you're in this room or over at Fredericksburg, stand up if you feel like you've been running on empty. All right, anybody else? And church, I just want you to join me in prayer. And I hope that we'll be a church that remembers who God is. And he has not forgotten you. And he is with you. And he's, he may be pulling you out of something right now, but he is right now working in your life. And God has not abandoned you nor forgotten you. But I also want to pray that you would get refilled. There's something about when you build in these rhythms of rest where God meets you, he reminds you, he restores you. You literally take a breather and he refreshes you. And Father, I just want to thank you, God, again, for everyone standing right now. And I want to pray, Lord, that even in this moment as they stand, God, would you keep reminding them who you are, that you are the Lord, their God, that you are the great God who did mighty things, not, not just for the nation of Israel, but right now, God, you're working in their lives. God, you're working in their hearts and their minds. God, you will not abandon them. Not only that, but God, you want to give them life to the full. Not empty, but full. But Lord, would you refill them right now? Or even in this moment as they meet with you, God, would you refill them? God, would you help them to find a way to divert daily and to reconnect with you and the relationships that matter the most? God, would you help them to find a way to withdraw weekly to find that full on Sabbath rest to be refilled in you? Or God, even to abandon annually where they completely unplug and refresh those relationships and restore what matters most. God, I'm believing that we're gonna be a church that does work hard God, we do strive for goodness and greatness, but God, we are, we are refreshed and we are restored in you. God, I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name, amen.